hope you spend some time dwelling on the songs and the words and the message of the songs that we've been singing. Do you ever just stand amazed in the presence of Jesus and wonder how he could love you? A sinner condemned and unclean? Just blows the mind. Think about the purity of God. Think about the forbearance of God, the patience of God. And how he loves us. And how he works with us. How he so chooses to work in our lives and ways that we fully do not comprehend. We all have our desire of wanting that little piece of heaven here on earth. And we never truly stop and reflect that that may not ever be. I'm thinking as we go through, we're going through some of these songs and of how I view things and how we view things how we view things as Americans and the land of the free, the home of the brave, and the freedom to worship God as we so desire. Of how we would be or how we may react. We were in the same or the similar circumstance as Israel of old in the land of Israel and in the city of Jerusalem and in the courtyard of the temple. Something that they had cherished and longed for, their ancestors had had it and lost it, had it destroyed, rebuilt it several times. And then they hear and see the coming of the Messiah, and it's nothing as they had anticipated or had thought about or had thought was going to take place. And instead of finding the freedom that they desired from the Roman Empire, instead of finding the kingdom, physical, that would never be destroyed, they found themselves being further persecuted by the Romans those who would choose to believe in the message that was brought to them by the apostles would find themselves alienated from their family and their loved ones and their kinfolk as they remained in the city or in the country. Animosity towards them as they believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he was the Savior that was sent to this earth to give his life as a redemption for mankind, and to redeem them. And then they find themselves being rejected. Being rejected, one, by their own people. Excuse me, by their own people. Brought before the city council. Threatened and told they were to speak no more in that name of Jesus. 
And then they would be persecuted further and they would have to leave their homeland and be scattered abroad. In Acts 8 verse 4 says they were scattered abroad. They went everywhere in sorrow. Is that what it says? Bemoaning the fact that they had to leave their home, homeland. No, that's not what it says. They went everywhere preaching the word. Earlier they had counted themselves worthy. Praise God that they were worthy to suffer for that name of Jesus. And then when they were persecuted, they went everywhere preaching the word. They would be willing to leave their homeland, what they had longed for, what they had cherished and thought was theirs, and go wherever they needed to go. And it may... Again, God is in control, but he may repeat some of that in a similar fashion. We cherish the land in which we live. We pride ourselves in the freedoms that we enjoy. We look on the horizon and we see that dark cloud that seems to threaten what we believe in. We've heard the threats down through time that there may come a time when we will have, if you will, have a policeman sitting in here to hear what is being said and if something contrary to the laws of the land that they could shut us down or cart us off and take us to prison. Would we count ourselves worthy to suffer for the name of Christ? Maybe a time when we'd have to flee our homeland as others have been fleeing theirs for one reason or another. Would we rejoice and our being worthy of that name and be rejoicing to God and praising God as we leave a land that we cherish and everything in it and leave it behind to go to the land where we are the strangers and we are the different ones and we're looked down on with suspicion as the Jews wherever, wherever they had gone throughout the, uh, the, uh, the empire. How do we view what we have? We have our thoughts and our concepts that as we become Christians, things are going to change. We're going to have this different characteristic, which in the degree we do have. But how many times do we forget what we have and think about what we do not have? Think about Moses, for example, when he was chosen to be the leader of the people. Remember, he was already in exile. Been there for about 40 years. And he's told to go back to Egypt. He's given a message from God. He's given the power to do miracles. He's, he's seen them. He's done them, performed them. And yet he has that question in his mind. God, Lord, he said, I don't understand. You're asking me to go before Pharaoh. And I am not eloquent in speech. I have not been eloquent in speech before you appear to me, nor have I been eloquent in speech since you have appeared to me. We're looking for characteristics in our own lives to be radically changed 
And so that we may have that boldness that we read about down and out through the, the scriptures and find out that, guess what? Basically, you're still the same. You changed on the inside. But the characteristics, a lot of them are still there. And how do we respond to them? Paul, as he would write to the Colossians, again reminding them of some of the things that they have in Christ and things they need to be reminded of. And the same lessons come down to us as what it is that God is asking of us or expecting out of us. Sometimes we sing the song, if you cannot preach like Paul and you cannot sing like angels, you can tell the love of Jesus and tell that he died for all. We think that once we become a Christian, once we become this new what? New creation? That everything physically is going to change. And it's going to be a blessing in being a child of God. The blessing is there. The blessing is being this child of God in the eyes of God. It may not be in the eyes of the world, and sometimes we get to wrestle with that. But Paul, as he's writing to the Colossians in the first chapter, starting at verse 19, talking about Jesus, For it pleased the Father that in him, in Christ, all the fullness should dwell, and that by him to reconcile all things to himself. And by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. In you who were once alienated, enemies in your mind by the wicked works, and yet now he's reconciled in the body of his flesh through the death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. The emphasis is not here. The reconciliation is not here. The new creation even though we're still here, it's not the emphasis is not here. It's a spiritual reconciliation. And because we do not see him, and because for a good portion of time before we de- decided to make the change in our life, we may not have thought much about God and about what he's done through Jesus Christ may not have realized the alienation that we were at. To a degree, the world does not really consider that at all. Being alienated from God. See, we're blessed, are we not? We live in the land of the free. Life is pleasant for the most part. We can go through life. We we make so many advances in medicine and so forth. We eradicating one's uh, disease after another, usually replaced by some other disease that we hadn't known before. But we made so many strides. We're able to do so many more things than we've done before as a nation and as people that we really have not thought 
about being under a curse that God has on us for the sins that we have committed and for the rebellion that we have within our heart. Above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You have to continue in faith. You have to believe the word that you read. Be convinced that it is true. We live in a world that again attacks this word, trying to destroy its effectiveness in our lives, saying, well, we really do not know whether it's true or not. There have been so many changes and have been translated from one language to another language. And so we really do not know what the original language really had to say. And so we put those question marks in our mind or allow them to be placed in our mind, even by those who want to follow God. They allow it to be challenged. And they listen to the half-truths and the falsehood that the world lays against. Now they talk about it being translated in so many different languages. I'm not sure what the total number of languages are now in this world, and I'm not sure of the total number of translations that have been made into those languages. But it's not a situation of it being translated from Greek into Latin, then from Latin into English, and from English into Spanish, and from Spanish into whatever else you can come up and just from one translation of another. And they really don't stop and think. That's not what they did. They all went back to the original language and translated. And as we live in our world, we know there are words that are hard to translate from one language to another. And there are words in one language that have a total different meaning in another language that can get you in trouble if you, if you say those, those words. And we forget. And that's not how it works. And we allow that to be challenged or be challenged and to affect us in one way or another. But we have him in our life. He's reconciled us to him and made peace with the cross. We were enemies in our mind, wicked works, and now he's reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. To do what? God has reconciled us through Christ by this death to present us holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, in the sight of God. That's where this is going to take place. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. And it's interesting to hear all the challenges. Why was this preached in the known world? Well, if you read the text, that's not exactly what Paul said, is it? The gospel was only preached to that general locality of what we call the Mediterranean area, and that's as far as it ever went. The text says... It was preached to every creature under heaven. Well, how could that be? Human mind says that's impossible. But we're dealing with God. And we're dealing with his accomplishing 
his will. And as we read history enough, as we have in for us in the Old Testament, he has already accomplished things that, from the human point of view, would not be possible. So we let God work with that, which he has. Of which Paul had became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you. And fill up my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Those afflictions in his body, that's the church. God takes care of that. They're going to be there. Again, it's hard for us to, if you will, because of our history, to really seriously consider the fact that we may be persecuted ridiculed, mocked, driven out, lose every earthly possession that we have, which we're going to leave behind anyway when we pass. But when we're alive, we don't want to lose those possessions. And we fail to realize who we are, why we are, and what our true home is, and what the task has been given to us by God along the way. Paul said he became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. A minister, a steward, fulfilling God's desire. He has a purpose for us. We know what it is. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he who believes not shall be condemned. Go into all the world and to every creature. Then we have, as we read through the New Testament, how that was taken place. And the things that they endured because they wanted to do exactly what was being asked of them. <coughs> Excuse me. The mystery which has been hidden from ages, from generations, have now been revealed to the, his saints. What is that mystery? Ephesians, Paul told the Ephesians, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is good news for all mankind. It had been revealed to his saints that to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man Every man, regardless of who they are, regardless of where they is, where they live, using opportunities that are presented to us. And again, as Paul would say, if he preached the gospel to every creature under heaven in the first century, not he, but the, the church that spread the gospel, if they did that in the first century with all that modern technology that they had available to them. Yes. How long did it take to go by foot? To walk from one end of the country to the other end of the country. How long did it take to sail on those ships? When we lived in St. Louis, they brought a replica of the Santa Maria built to scale from the ship that Columbus used in crossing the ocean. You look at the size of that ship, 
I wouldn't have taken it down the Mississippi River, let alone cross an ocean. I mean, that thing is small. I'm just simply saying, with what they had, they did what was asked of them because they believe a message that was given to them. That's the need we have today of sharing that good news. And what we have, and who knows how God chooses to work things, we'll let him take care of that aspect of it. But you just look at the technology and the advances that we made in technology in the last 15, 20 years. You can go back a little farther than that as well. My mother-in-law had one of the first cell phones or car, mobile phones in her car. It was about that big, that wide, that deep. Had a cable on it. Took a while to get it cranked up or get it connected and so forth. I'm just saying, where have we gone in our technology in the last 15, 20 years? And what are they talking about now that, are right, that we're right on the verge of doing, whatever it may be? doesn't matter what we have. It's what are, what are we using with what we have how we're using what we have. We have what we need. Us, them, their need, our need, one-on-one sharing the gospel, using it as a means. Uh, It's always amazing, again, that working with mission printing and other uh, works across seas, it's amazing how they take everything that we want to discard all those old Bible correspondence, Miller uh, film strips, uh, John Hurt's Bible correspondence courses, and, and everything else. They package them up and ship them overseas, and they use them to spread the gospel. And the church grows by leaps and bounds in Africa and India and other locations around the world. They're hungering and thirsting for the truth. They use whatever means that they can, can, can to, to use it. And we ship it over there, and they meet the, the container or the ship when it comes in, get the container off of it. They package it up, and they put it on the, back, on the back of their bicycle. And they pedal four or five days a week to get back to the village. I'm saying, God gives us what we need to share what we have with those who stand in need. We preach... Jesus, we preach God, warning every man, teaching every man, and all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That's our task, is to make every person complete in Christ Jesus. However that may be done, and whatever means may be available to us to use along the way to this end of sharing the gospel to every creature that we have contact with and encourage them to reach out to every creature that they have contact with to this end I also labor striving according to his working 
which works in me mightily. Again, you read about Paul's life. He was well educated. And yet he talks about not being efficient in speech. What do you have in the way of presentation and the skills that you have that matches what God is able to do? That's Paul's comparison. I don't have anything that, that deals with that. I use what I have, Paul says. And I trust God in taking care of the rest. That's the need we have. Are we convinced that indeed, as we read the scriptures, that our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and the word of God simply reminds us, Romans 3 and verse 23, that all has sinned, all, and come short of the glory of God. Everyone who thinks he's very religious, everyone who thinks he's very well-educated, Every human being on the face of this earth has sinned and comes short of the glory of God. Chapter 6 of Romans and verse 23. Those wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Some translations have the, the, the free gift of God. It's a gift. Freely offered. But every gift has to be accepted. There was going to be a many benefit to you or to me. But it's there and it's open to all. There are, there are no restrictions, no limitations. You don't fight, quite meet the category or the, the qualifications that are need. We did that in our society, but that's not true in the area of God. All need the gospel. Jesus died for all. Shed his blood for us to be convinced of that as we read and as we study. That sacrifice in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, that leaving equality with God. Again, think about it as you read that. Paul did not think equality, or Jesus did not think that equality was God a thing to be grasped or be held on to. Equality with God. He had equality with God. But he was, did not believe he had to hold on to it, grasp it, not let go of it. That he became a servant. The lowliest of servants. Because he loved you. Because he loved the world. He loved those that despised him, rejected him, crucified him. He loved those who, as we would view it, have never heard of him. Those that are groping in the dark to find him, although he's not far from anyone, Paul would tell the, those in, Ath- in, in, in Athens. He's there. And he waits. He gave us the job. We're his feet, we're his hands. 
We're his mouth. We speak for him. We can show him the word. But we do what he would want us to do in light of what he's done for us. The need is to be convinced. This is true. And this was written for you. What will you do with the gospel? While we pray and while we plead, while you see your soul's deep need, what will you do with what God has given richly to you? And will we share what we have been given? As you look at your life, where is it in the eyes of God? What is it that God would have you to do? Are you willing to surrender? Are you willing to do his bidding? And answer his call. If we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and say.